I'm in the middle of a series for those of you who haven't been here before called Foundations of the Faith. Foundations of the Faith. And today we're going to be talking about the priesthood of the believer. But just by way of recapping, because I want you to know where we're coming from and where we're going, we started on Easter Sunday by talking about the power of the cross. The power of the cross. And we said that the cross defeats your greatest enemy. And when God defeats your greatest enemy, he has already defeated every single thing that you're worried about. And we spoke about how God will take you through desperation and take you through situations where you don't know what's going on and you feel isolated as the disciples felt when Jesus was crucified. And he'll take you to the place where you are confident in him, where you have your sins forgiven, where you have resurrection of life, where your life is completely transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we had the next se session where we spoke about the call to discipleship. And that is a picture of Gideon. And someone, some cartoonists went and they, they met Gideon and they animated him. Gideon was hiding behind the wine press and he was scared that the enemies of his people were going to defeat them because every time they would plant something, the enemies would come and scoop up everything and they would just not be able to survive. And so Gideon was hiding, but God came to him. And he, as he came to him, said, you are a mighty man of God. And so God looks not at our present position, but he looks at where he wants to take us. And he calls us to our destiny in him. So that was a call to discipleship. Then we had a session where we talked about ordinary supernatural Christianity. And I mentioned that every Christian is a disciple. We might not call ourselves disciples today, but the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 11, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So it was the, Christ, the disciples who received the name disciples. And so if you are a Christian, you are in the business of discipleship. You should be a person who will be studying what Jesus Christ said because when God spoke about go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, what he said was teaching them to observe all the things that I have taught you. And so you should be observing the things that God has taught you for yourself first of all and then help to disciple others. And we use that word metamorphosis, where a, caterp a, a caterpillar gets transformed into this lovely butterfly over a period of time. And when we become Christians, we are changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are now living a supernatural life. But what happens is that some of us, we're still crawling on the ground like caterpillars. And God wants us to grow because he wants to use us for his glory. Then last week we had an important message, worship and the word. Because we're talking about 
how we are loving God the way not we want to love him, but the way he wants to be loved. And so we pay attention to what Jesus Christ did. And we mentioned that we should love the Lord with all our heart. That's the first thing that every Christian should learn, how to love God. Then we watch what Jesus did, and Jesus spent time with the Father, and so we spend time with the Father. And next, last week we spoke about how we worship Him, how we give Him praises, how we acknowledge who He is because of His greatness, because of His goodness. And as we learn to love Him, as we learn to worship, what happens is that our lives are transformed into His image. Because the more we look at Him, the more we become like Him. And how do we spend time with him? We simply rest in his assurance. We, we spend time with him, not just when we have something to ask him, not just when we want something from him, not just to tell him good things, but we just spend time with him just because we want to spend time with him. And so we come to today's message where it's the priesthood of the believer. The priesthood of the believer. And I want to share a little bit about what we believe, which is a core value of Go Church, a core value of Global Outreach Church. And just to mention, we have three core values in Go Church. I mentioned it at the front of today's bulletin, but the first core value is that we are global. And global means trans-ethnic. See, we are from different places around the world, and as we have come from many nations, we are trans-ethnic, meaning we want to transcend our own ethnicities. We are not trying to get rid of who you are. In fact, what we want to do is we want to embrace who you are. So if you come from a country that wears a certain kind of costume, feel free to wear it at Go Church. If you are from the U.S. and you have grown up as a biker, you can feel free to wear your biker uniform, if you want to call it uniform. I want you to feel free to be who God has called you to be. So we next have outreach. So we are global outreach. Outreach is we are not just looking at ourselves, but we are reaching outward to others. And so my eyes are always like this. Over here, I'm looking at taking care of the believers in global outreach church. But over this side, I always am focusing how can we reach others for Christ. And so we always have to have this balance between taking care of believers, but we also have to take care of who is outside that God wants to reach. And then our next value is church. We are a group of believers, but as a member of the church, we also are priests. And so we talk about the priesthood of the believer. And that's what I'm going to, be, going to be focusing on today, the priesthood of the believer. Because I believe that God wants us to understand who we are in him. 
and as we understand who we are in God, then we will change the way we behave. We will change the way we look at the world. And so to talk about the priesthood of the believer, it's important for us to go right back to the beginning. And from the beginning, Exodus chapter 19 talks about that place where God speaks to his people. And last week we spoke about the word of God. And I'm going to read from the word of God. This is a little long passage. I want you to bring your Bibles to church with you. Sometimes I'm going to have the verses up. But for longer passages, I want to just go directly from the word of God. And Exodus chapter 19 gives us the story at Mount Sinai where God has just delivered the children from Egypt. They had been in bondage for all these years. And after he delivers them, this is the scene that we read. Exodus chapter 19, reading from verse 1. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out from the land of Egypt, on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, and keep my covenant, then you will be great and special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and of holy nations. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and laid, them, laid before them all the words which the Lord had commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and believe me forever, and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them tomorrow, today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. And let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up and touch the mountain, the base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people 
and sanctify the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day, do not come near your wives. Then it came to pass on the third day in the mountain that there were, there was th there were thunderings and lightnings, and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was loud, so that all the people were in the camp who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke to God and God answered him by voice. Very long passage, but I wanted to read it. I wanted to read it because I want us to get a full understanding of what was taking place here. Because in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6, we see something very important that I want us to understand. So just go back one slide. Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That was God's original design for his people. He wanted to have a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of priests before him. And this was like a wonderful time for God because when God led the, his people out, they suddenly saw that truly God was fighting on their behalf. And so they were certain that this God is going to be our God. And now God says to them, Look, I want to make you a kingdom of priests and kings to me. However, when we go on a little bit further in Exodus chapter 20, we see something important. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood a far way off. Then they said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. The people rejected God's perfect plan for their lives. Notice what God said. I want you to be a kingdom of priests unto me. But when they heard all these thunderings and the, the lightnings and the, the, the smoke going off in the, in the cloud, they said, okay, God, Moses, do this for us. You go and you speak to God. And we will stay away from God. And then when you speak to God, you come back. And when you come back, we will listen to you and you can tell us secondhand what God said. 
That was not God's plan. How it must have broken God's heart when the people rejected his perfect plan for their lives. And I believe that God wants to restore the priesthood. God wants to restore what he declared in the very beginning. And God wants to make a pre-kingdom of kings and priests to him. Sometimes I wonder how much we are afraid of the will of God for our lives. Some people say sometimes, be careful what you pray. Some people say, well, don't pray that God will humble you because he will probably humble you. <laughs> and so what we do is we are afraid of submitting ourselves to God's will because when we submit ourselves to God's will, we are not sure that he is going to take care of us when we put our hands in his hand. But as for me, I am not careful about my prayers. I will say, Lord, do whatever you want because I want to be where you want me to be. Amen. Because I want to be a king and I want to be a priest before you as it was your original intention. That's what God wants. And so we are going to be looking at this whole business of God restoring the priesthood. God restoring the priesthood. In Revelation chapter, five, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, it talks about Jesus Christ restoring his people to him. It says, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. You see, what happens is that Jesus Christ is all about restoring what God wanted in the first place. That's why he came. Because he wanted to restore us to the place of being kings and priests to God. When Jesus Christ restores us, he just doesn't restore us to where we were. Because notice that he has restored us as kings and priests, but his people in general were never kings and priests to him. Why? Because they rejected it. But you see, God's restoration is different from our restoration. It's not as if we had a car and we lost the car and God gave us a car just like the one we had. It's as if you have a jalopy. And God restores you. He doesn't restore you to the place that you had this jalopy or you had this, this broken down, found on road dead. But what he does is he gives you what he wanted to give you in the first place. His restoration supersedes all that we wanted in him because God restores us to a place that he wanted us to be. And that's what God is doing. He is restoring his people 
to the place that we are kings and we are priests before him. So let's examine. Let's examine the priesthood. Because as we go on, the priests were people who were spe specially chosen by God. And these people who were specially chosen, they had a, a job to do. They had a job to do where they needed to minister before God. And as they were ministering before God, they had to be prepared to minister to him in a very special way. And so what we have here is an outfit that the priest would wear. And I'm going to talk about this outfit that we have right here. And just to help us to understand how the priests needed to be prepared before God. And so the priests had what we call inner garment, and then they had the outer garments. And so I'm going to quickly go through the inner garments. First, there were the breeches. And this was to assure modesty. Now, this was like a shorts, long shorts. And it was all made of linen. So all the priests in a garment that was to be white and linen. So they, it was like shorts from your waist going down. And that is assuring modesty before God. The priest had to be modest before God. Humility. If you are a priest before God, it is calling you, this call to pre, being a priest before God is calling you to be humble before God. And so first of all, you had the breeches, which showed modesty. It's the equivalent of linen shorts. Then you had the tunic. Now the tunic, I, I couldn't show you the breeches because it's somewhere under here. So the tunic is this long sleeve shirt like, so you see this, this long sleeve sh shirt right here? And it goes all the way down to cover the ankles. See that right here? You have this thing, the inside part, the white. And it goes all the way down to the ankles. That is showing that I am fully covered as I minister before the Lord. Because the priest is entering into a place where God is his covering. And he is completely covering himself. Then we have the girdle. Or the sash. This was a kind of linen sash and it was long. I think the, the, the sash was maybe about 40 feet that would, would wrap around. And that's, that, that's inside here so I can't show you that. But that's wrapped around his waist. The Bible talks about gird or, or loins. Because we need to make sure that we have the truth of God in us. Then the next area inside was the turban. And the, the turban was wrapped around the head in a conical shape. Now, this is the, 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 the turban that is worn outside, but there's a, 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 a very, almost like a skull cap, close inside, and that, was, that takes care of all the inner garments. And so notice that there had to be a preparation both inside as well as outside if we want to be a priest. And so now we move to the outer garments. We're talking about the preparations for the priests. First, we have... The robe of the ephod. 
and that was blue, and it was worn under the effort. So you see this blue thing right here? This, this is the robe that goes under, so it's like a full robe. It's like a sandwich board. Goes over the front and around the back. So it just simply covers the front and the back like this. So this is this blue thing right here. So that's the robe. And that indicated nearness to God. God is near to the priests. Then after we have the robe, we have the ephod itself, which is the vest-like garment. So you see this right here that starts from here? And it's colored. That is just going over the shoulders and it's showing that the, the, the people, the children of Israel was bearing, the, peop, the, the, the priests were bearing Israel on their shoulders. So it simply goes over the shoulder and around here. And this is what they had right here. This is the ephod right here. Then on the ephod, we have what we call the breastplate. And the breastplate had 12 stones which represented the different tribes of Israel. It's a single piece that covered the heart. And so the priests bore Israel before God. They're taking Israel and they're saying, Lord, I'm representing these people before you in ministry. And then there's the sash. Sash goes around the waist right here. You see it falling down here. And the sash, this was also blue and purple and scarlet thread. And it was intertwined between the blue and the purple. And this is a showing. It's also showing that you're, you need to, the priests need to be girded around and ready to serve at any moment's notice. They had to be ready at any time, the sash. So the priests had to be prepared, and then after they had to be prepared, there was this, see this golden part right here on the turban? The turban says, holiness to the Lord. Right here, the turban says, holiness to the Lord. And what this is showing is that in everything, the priests had to live a life of holiness. You remember that we, we spoke about two weeks ago, we spoke about being holy before God. We can't just live any in any way because we are called to the priesthood. We are called to bear God's people before him. Then there were some accessories, and I'm just going to quickly go through all the accessories. There is the Urim and Thurim, Thumim, and that was worn in the breastplate. We're not sure how that looked, if it was two special stones that he actually put in the breastplate. And that symbolized when they went before God, it, let's say they asked God, Lord, should we fight this war? Maybe one of them would light up. If it was yes or if it was no, another one. You know what that symbolized? That symbolized the fact that we need to hear the voice of God as priests. Then... We have the pomegranates that's made bells right around the hem of the priest. And that symbolized his fruitful provision. God's fruitful provision. And then finally, we had the sash, the sash of blue and purple, etc. Okay, so here we go. The priest had to have special preparations before he could minister before God. And sometimes what we do is we think that we can just go about our lives and we can just come and just, I'm here, Lord. No, no, no. 
we have to take the time to prepare ourselves. And where we're going to go, church, is that we want to be a kingdom of priests before God because he has called every one of us to be priests before him. So we have to first prepare ourselves to serve him the way he wants us to prepare ourselves to serve him. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. Peter writes to Christians in Asia Minor who are suffering as a result of rejection because of their obedience to Christ. And I'm going to read this beginning of this passage for you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. Actually, let me take it from the first chapter, 1 Peter chapter 1, where it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia Minor, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So Peter, right here, is writing to a group of people and the reason I read this first passage is this was Peter's target audience. And when we talk about target audience, when we're writing a letter, we always want to address the people we're writing to. I don't know if you guys remember when we used to write our pen pals, and you would say, dear pen pal, I hope you are fine. You guys used to do this? Dear pen pal, I hope you are fine. It's been three months since I've heard from you. And so you write your pen pal. Today we don't do that anymore. Today we go on Facebook and say, dear Facebook, dear Facebook friend, I realize you're not fine. I noticed that you have broken up with Shaquanda. I was wondering why you broke up with Shaquanda, but when I checked her profile, I saw that you weren't spending enough time with her. It's good to find out. Today we don't go through all of this. But in Paul's day, he needed to identify all the people he was writing to because he, the, these letters were being circulated among the churches. And so he was talking to mature Christian believers. Why do I say he's talking to mature Christian believers? Because something is coming up in 1 Peter chapter 2 that tells us about what he's talking about. So let's turn now to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 9, where he says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire this pure milk of the word that you may grow up thereby. Notice he's talking to mature Christians, and he's saying, desire sincere milk of the word. Now, verse 5 says, You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Peter here is talking to a group of people who are mature Christians. And these mature Christians that he's talking to, 
He's calling them and he's saying, you are a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood. And as he's calling these people and saying, you are a royal priesthood, what he's saying is, it's important for you to understand that you are the priest before God. And just as the priest in the olden days had to be prepared before God, the priest in this new time had to also be prepared to serve God. Notice I said, I, I took us to chapter 1, and chapter 1 showed us how he was talking to Christians all around. So he's not talking to one group of Christians. He's not talking to men. He's not talking to children. He's talking to the entire church, and he's saying, you are a holy nation. And now that you are a priest, I want you to be the priest that you have been called to be. I want you to live your life as a priest before me. Whoever you are, I am calling you forth as a priest. I want to show us this, this very short clip that talks about how we need to be the persons that we have been created to be. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Rio. If you haven't seen it, you're about to see this. Oh, how we wish I was back in my cage with my mirror and my little bell. <laughs> Bobo here can't fly. Don't worry, Blue. It's in your DNA. And if our featherless friends can do it, how hard can it be? <laughs> Fun, right? Yeah. Fun. Flying is not what you think up here. It's what you feel in here. And when you feel the rhythm of your heart, you fly! Keep it simple. Easy breezy. Thrust, lift, drag. Oh, come on, Lou. Come on, Lou. You can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Blue, you're flying. Sort of. Not really. But do you feel it? No. No. Blue. You did not feel it in here. You think? We are priests before God, but some of us are not flying. We're not doing the things we were created to be. And sometimes the reason we are not doing the things that we were created to be is that people have told you that you weren't really qualified to do this. Sometimes the reason we are not doing the things we are called to do is that we feel that there is something hindering us. I remember when I was growing up, I, I, I grew up in Jamaica, and I attended a brethren church. And I don't know if you guys know this, but in the brethren church, the reason it's called brethren is that women are to remain silent in the church. And women should not speak. In fact, I, I was baptized when I was about 12 years old, and I was baptized with a, a, a young man by the name of, 
a, a guy 12 years old as well. His name was Garfield. And Garfield was getting married, get, getting baptized the same time his mother was getting baptized. And in our church, when we grew, we grew up, what happened is that the guys could speak, and so you were trained, and you learned the things that you should, about the Bible, they talk about assurance of salvation, and I'm not trying to knock the brethren church. We really learned the scriptures, and I remember us getting baptized, and Garfield, who was about 12 years old, just like me, he went up, and he gave his testimony, and his mother who had been teaching Garfield, she had to write her testimony and a man read it because women were supposed to be silent in the church. And so I want to take about six minutes. It's now midday. I want to take about six minutes and I want to talk about women in ministry because we're talking about being priests and kings before God. And sometimes when we talk about being priests and kings before God, we see men and we marginalize women in ministry and we don't realize that women were called to be priests and kings just like men. And notice that who Paul, Peter was talking about here, Peter was talking to the church. And so when he said, you are kings and priests to God. He was talking to both men and women. And so I want to just take a few moments and talk about the Bible as far as it deals with women in ministry. But first of all, we need to understand that all of the Bible is true. So we're not going to be tearing down any section of the Bible. We're not going to be ignoring any sections of the Bible. Second thing is that we cannot accept some verses and reject some other verses that the Bible presents. Third, the Bible is relevant for today, and the Bible does not contradict itself in any way. Next, I want us to understand that Scripture interprets Scripture. In other words, you cannot proof text. Proof texting is where you take a verse, and you take that verse out of context, and you use it to form a whole doctrine. And that's what many people do when it comes especially to women as priests before God. They take a verse of scripture and they take it out of context. So let's look at what the Bible actually says. First of all, the verses that talk about women not being ministers before God. 1 Corinthians 14 verses 35, 34 and 35, it says, Let your women keep silent in churches, for they are not permitted to speak. This is Paul talking. And Paul is an apostle, and so he says, let women remain silent. And this is a verse that the church I grew up in used a lot. First, Timothy, Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 to 12. Let the woman learn in silence with all submission, and I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. This is still Paul. And so what we need to understand is, if Paul is saying that women should not teach in church and women should be silent, we need to understand one of two things. Either Paul was saying that all women should remain silent in church, all women should learn in subjection and they should not teach. Or he was speaking to a specific group of people. So remember we said scripture interprets scripture. 
So since scripture interprets scripture, what we need to do is understand what Paul felt about women in ministry. And if we understand what Paul felt about women in ministry, then we would be able to put these verses in the proper context. First of all, let's look at the people that Paul ministered with. First is Phoebe. Phoebe was a deaconess. The Greek word is diakonon. I, I, I brought that, that interlinear Bible last week. Remember, I'm talking about sometimes we need to go a little bit further when we're studying the Bible. Phoebe was a diaconess. And as a diaconess, a deaconess, diaconon, diaconon, that's the, the Greek word, she, here's what Paul said about her. I commend to you Phoebe, who is a servant of the church in Sancreo. That is Strong's number, that word servant I have in, in bright yellow. That's Strong's number 1248. It's a lot of deep information, but it's important for us to understand. That word servant is that word diakonon, and it says attendant, aid, service, teacher, minister, or office. If you take, take Strong's, you remember that big book I brought last week, and you check up that word? It shows you that Paul considered Phoebe as a teacher and a minister, and that she held an office in the church. Now, we don't have deacons the way they had deacons in the Bible, but in the Bible, deacons and deaconesses were people who actually taught and administered things in the church. They took care of the church. Moving on. So that's Phoebe. Then there's Priscilla. Priscilla was a woman. Priscilla was a pastor and a teacher. Sometimes people say, well, if women were in leadership in the Bible, show it to me. Here, here, here she is. Priscilla was a teacher and a leader. She taught Apollos. Now, many of you might not know Apollos. Apollos was someone who the, Paul said was mighty in Scripture. So here we have Priscilla, a pastor, who taught somebody who was mighty in Scripture, a woman teaching a man the Scriptures. Acts chapter 18, verse 26. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So here you can see that a woman took somebody who, was, who showed promise and they taught him the Scriptures. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 5. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. Notice that Paul here is calling Priscilla's name first. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Greet the church that is in their house. So Aquila and Priscilla, they were pastors of a church in Ephesus. And Paul is here saluting this person. Also, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, it shows where Paul is recognizing this person. So we need to understand that the Bible is showing us that there were women in ministry from the very beginning. I'm not going to go through it. We don't have time, but there are many more. There is in John chapter 11, verse 1 to 14. Mary and Martha, they were actual disciples of Jesus Christ. Read the scriptures and you'll see there were people who followed Jesus wherever he went. So why did Jesus choose only men? Because of the culture of the day. The culture of the day is no single man could be walking around with women like that. So he chose all men. However, women were also his disciples, as you will see when you go and read that scripture. Judea and Cynthia, Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. 
I'm not sure I pronounced that right, E-U-O-D-I-A-S-Y-N-T-Y-C-H-E, there were two women who were also ministers of the gospel. And here's what Paul says about them. They were my yoke fellows. Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Paul calls them his yoke fellows. They worked with him in ministry just as anybody else. Junior, in chapter 16, verse 7 of, Rome, of Romans. This is Paul again. Paul wrote 14 books. Junior, that word A, J-U-N-I-A, that is the symbol that represents a woman. So Junior was a woman who was a minister of the gospel, and Paul said Junior was a very important person in ministry. So here we need to understand that Paul recognized women in ministry. Women were priests before God. So Paul would not commend a woman who speaks in church and who teaches a major minister if he did not expect women to speak or have leadership roles in the church. Notice that Paul is here commending women. Women were in ministry. Women were teaching. Women were doing anything else that men were doing. Therefore, the verses which seem to say that women should be silent in church were specific instances which Paul was addressing. In our words, what I'm saying here is that if we understand that Paul recognized women teachers in the Bible, then the verses that he says, let the women remain silent in the church, he was not speaking to all women because he believed and he recognized women who were pastors and teachers. I want this morning to release all the women in Global Outreach Church. I want you to understand that God has called you to ministry and there is no glass ceiling in Global Church. Because there is no glass ceiling in God's kingdom. A glass ceiling is where you think you can go all the way to the top, but there's a glass that you can't see and you're pushing and you're trying to reach up and you can't reach up because there's this glass that's holding you back. Women, you are released to do ministry. I want to hear from the person who is hearing from God. I don't want to be sitting down and listening to somebody who is a minister just because that person is a man. I want, if you are a man and you have the word of God in you, you are the person I want to hear from. If you are a woman and you have the word of God in you, you are the person I want to hear from. If you are a child and you have the word of God in you, I want to hear from you because you are a priest before God. I am never going to hold back anybody because you are a man, because you're a woman, because you're black, because you're white, because you're from another country. If you have the power of God in your life, you are the person that I want to hear from because the Holy Spirit is releasing you to do the things that He wants you to do. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, 
This is an important part of Global Outreach Church. I want you to understand you are a king and you are a priest before God. Even though a king is a man, the Bible is not referring to men alone. Even though a priest might seem to be a man, God is calling you to minister the way he wants you to minister. Woman, you are free to do what God is calling you to do. The reason I'm taking a little bit of time this morning is because I want to establish something very important to me. In my experience in church, and I'm finishing in two minutes, I remember being in this prayer meeting and all the men would have to pray together. Even though we, they had women teach Sunday school, which was the paradox, all the men would pray together and they would send the women to a room in the side to pray. And I remember having these dull prayer meetings because we didn't believe that you should smile in, in ministry and, and in worship like that and in prayer. You had to be serious before God. And the women would be over there meeting and they would be praising God and we could hear the sounds in the men's meeting while the women are there ministering before God. And I knew something was wrong. And what I understand now is that when God calls you, he has called you for a specific purpose. And you might not be someone that people have recognized. My job as a pastor is to look for you. My job as a pastor is to look and see, is the Spirit of God in you? And if the Spirit of God in you is in you, we want to release you in power. We want to set you to do the work of ministry. You are a priest. You are a priest before God. That's why we talk about the priesthood of the believer. Please stand with me. Father, I pray for every young person here this morning. Father, we have looked down upon young people in the church. We have not recognized the power of your spirit in their lives, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. But Lord, we make a commitment today that we are going to recognize your spirit in your people, whether they are young or they are old. Lord, I ask you to forgive us for those older saints, those saints who have spent many years with you and we have put them to the side, Lord, because we think that their time has passed. But I thank you, Lord, that you're calling the elder statesmen and women. You're calling them, Lord God, because you have declared that they are priests before you. Forgive us, Lord, for putting them aside. Lord, I pray for every woman in this church. Lord, you have called them as a priest before you. 
Lord, there is no limitation before you. Lord, you are releasing every woman to do the things that you have called them to do. And so, Lord, we commission them in the name of Jesus Christ. And we declare, Lord, your spirit to be upon the women. Lord, I pray for the men. As we work alongside the women, we ask you, Lord, may your spirit dwell in us in power. May your spirit dwell in us in might, Lord. Lord, I ask you, raise up Global Outreach Church as a church that will recognize the priesthood of the believer. That, Lord, we will use your people the way you want them to be used. We will not set them aside, Lord, for they are precious in your sight, O God. And we thank you for them. My brothers and sisters, you are a priest before God. Whether you are young, whether you have spent some years ministering before God, whether you feel that you are useful today, or you feel as if things have been holding you back, you are a priest before God this morning. And so my brothers and sisters, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, shalom his perfect peace. Now go into all the world and be the priest that God has called you to be, making disciples of all nations. And lo, the Lord Jesus Christ is with you wherever you go. God bless you all.